Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, over the last month-ish, I guess, we've been discussing the difference between you know the adult brain and the child's brain. And one of the things that hit me during the Easter celebration that we just went through here was how the adult brain recognizes shocking and life-compelling things that are different compared to the child's brain. So, for instance, when things were just mind-blowing and crazy awesome as a child, everything was that way. So it all kind of just blended in because everything was new. You know, I've never had ice cream before. I've never been running around and been allowed to jump in puddles or something like that. But when something happens as an adult that's truly shocking and mind-blowing, you tend to remember it more and it sits with you. So for some people, it's it's a game. They still remember whenever Seattle lost that Super Bowl to Tom Brady because they decided to hand the ball off instead of throwing it. Uh, like, what were they thinking? And the reason I bring this up is because, obviously, during the Passion, there are adults there. And we you hear about the people who are instantly converted, such as the soldier who puts the spear into the side of Jesus, instantly being converted, in that this is something that is completely different and not something of the normal, and something truly special happened here. And, and that's part of the, the miracle that's articulated in the gospel there. And what I want to discuss here is that since you are, are here having your faith journey in a situation where you learn it essentially as an adult with an adult mind, opposed to a child's mind, as many of our listeners would have, to talk about that difference there of how to every single Easter appreciate what actually happened opposed to it being like, yeah, I've already heard that it's not really wow or exciting. And that's what I wanted to focus on with today's episode and dive into a, the importance of Easter, obviously, but that mindset of not being excited or blown away with an adult brain inside of us compared to what we were as children. Uh, it's a it's a great question, Joe, and uh, you had no idea about this, I I don't think. And I'm gonna send you something that hopefully you can include in the show notes, which is an invitation to our listeners to take a look at um, something that we did this year for the Trudum. So my uh, my my ministry, the Institute for Ministry Formation. Mm -hmm. is uh, offered an online Triduum retreat, and it's led by uh, catechists for the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd this year. So all the speakers are catechists, many of them for decades, with the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. The Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is a, a way of catechesis formed around Maria Montessori's principles of uh, childhood development and education. And so it's a Montessori method to catechesis, and the uh, focus of the catechesis is really introducing the child to, uh, to Jesus and through the mysteries, through the language of God, which is scripture and liturgy. But then it's done starting at age 18 months. So 
the toddler atrium is the, is the, is the entry point into catechesis of the good shepherd. And then level one is ages three to six. Level two is ages six to nine. Level three is ages nine to 12. And according to the different developmental points of the child in uh, being able to take in the mysteries. And so they, uh, one of Maria uh, Montessori's principles that's brought over into this is that uh, education depends on the, uh, the joy of discovery. And so the catechists are taught not to give answers, but uh, to ask questions, to create the environment and to ask the questions and then let, to let the child and the Holy Spirit do their work and, and uh, let these things unfold. For example, the first work that's presented to the child is the parable of the good shepherd. And we, and there's a, a sheep fold uh, that is a, is a little cutout. That's uh, a little wooden um, depiction of the, of the sheepfold. And then there's a shepherd, a little wooden figure, two-dimensional parables are two-dimensional figures. And then uh, the sheep are a little two-dimensional figures. And then the parable from John 10 is read that the, the shepherd, uh, calls the sheep and they follow him. He knows the, he knows the sheep and he calls them by name. They recognize his voice and they follow him. And the actual scriptural text is read to the children. And then the catechist simply asks the question like, um, why do you think the sheep are so special to the shepherd that he would know them by name? Uh, what do you think the sheep represent? And then just leave the question open-ended. Mm-hmm. Weeks later, the children will come back and whisper to the catechist, I think I know who the sheep are. And this is age three. So this is giving them, leaving them the joy of discovery. All of this is a, a setting a context to say, one of the reasons I wanted this Triduum retreat, which is for adults, to be led by catechists who are very skilled at this, catechesis of the Good Shepherd, for children is because those catechists are not only good for children, but the pondering questions that they ask, the way that they read the scripture with attention, and the the way that they reflect on the the mysteries of our faith, the sacramental signs and rituals of our uh, sacramental celebrations are all good for adults too. So for example, the uh, in one of the talks, the speaker was reading through a passage in uh, leading up to the Last Supper, it was one of the Holy Thursday talks. And she's reading and it says, uh, as night began to fall, and she paused and she says, is it important that it was night? What is the importance of the night for all of these events to unfold? Why would Jesus choose to do them at night? And then it just leaves those questions there. Uh, and, and then another uh, point in that passage is, uh, Jesus said, uh, there is a man with a water jar. Ask him, uh, tell him that the, the, the master is ready to celebrate the Passover with his disciples, something like that. And they went into town and they found a, found a man with a water jar. And she says, who is the man with a water jar? And what role does he play? What's the importance of the water jar? <laughs> it's like, those are really good questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
you know, this is the this is the way that the the catechesis for the child is actually we we always still have childlike parts in us, and and sometimes we're too ready to give answers, not just to ask the questions, but to give answers. We have this like urgent need to provide all the answers. And I was experiencing in this these catechesis. Now I'm a I'm a professional speaker. I do lots of speaking to lots of places, to lots of audiences. And I'm giving a flood of information all the time because I've thought through a lot of things and I have a lot of answers, uh, a lot of things to talk about, you know, and I got a lot of things to tell you about and all of this stuff. And the pace of these catechesis was so different as she, you know, and she offered really important insights and she made connections and, you know, the, the different catechists made connections. Most of them were she, there were a couple of male catechists, a, a priest, and then another uh, older man. But the, the, the points that came out and the space to reflect on them and to ponder these things. Now, this is my 26th Triduum. And some of these questions are questions I never asked. Uh, and, and probably if I had asked them, I would have different answers this year than I did the last year. And that's the way that if, if we approach these things with knowing that they have infinite depth, that they open up new riches to us, because my life has also changed, but also, and, and I wasn't ready for perhaps some of the insights that are there or, or some of the, the, the revelations that, that God gives us in, the, in these different events um, or the way that they touch on my life. We also had testimonies. So we had, uh, I guess, about eight teachers and eight testimonies. And the testimonies were CGS oriented, but how the mysteries have touched my life. So one woman that had breast cancer and a double mastectomy had just lived that in the last few months and talked about how she could see Christ living his passion through her. And that's something that she couldn't have experienced prior to the last few months. So this is a this is a new celebration of the Triduum, of uh, the Easter mysteries for her, because she just had she just went through this whole thing in her life. And now she's seeing Christ's passion in a different way. That the way that he's living out her passion and that she's sharing in his passion has a whole different dimension to it. So uh and let me just say one last thing to kind of connect the child and the adult. Uh, you, Joe, are going to get to live all of these things in a new way as your son uh, starts to awaken to these mysteries and you have the opportunity to lead him in and you start to see the things that emerge because he has his own relationship with God already. The Holy Spirit is alive in him just as much as in you or as in me. And the, the fact that he's, you know, whatever, two years old, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't stop him from having uh, illumination. Now, how well he can express that is a different thing and, and learning to discover those expressions. But sometimes that's pointing at something. Something that's asking a question, what's that? Uh, his expressions of these things have their own uh, kind of language to them, but the, the, the insight and the, the discoveries can be profound. And so every parent gets to live everything newly as well through their own children and the way that their children are seeing these mysteries with new eyes. Yeah, and Father, that's 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 all true. Um, he's pointing a lot on telling me what things he needs to see, especially Cheerios. He he loves pointing out where those are. <laughs> and one of the things that, as you were asking those questions, and in and it made me think is that 
Yes, the Bible is is a tr- the Gospels are attributed to the four men that wrote them. Um, but the one thing that we've discussed many times is that that they're really authored by the Holy Spirit. And one of the things of a of each of them is that there's a lot of details that aren't omitted. For instance, you never know the color until the very end um, of like what Jesus is wearing. You know, like like when what is he wearing during the majority of the Bible? You have no idea because it's as it's, it's, as I perceive it, an irrelevant detail, so they don't say. So, like, did John the Apostle was he all about wearing orange all the time? No one knows because it doesn't really matter. But when they do put in details like that, it's relevant. So, why did they talk to the person with the water? Why was this at night? And you know, some of them are, are explicit, you know, details, like for instance, when it, during the passion, he had nailed to a cross. That's pretty explicit. They don't tell you how tall, you know, how, how thick or anything like that. So it, it's not like reading a textbook or, or a modern novel in that regards. So when they do put details in, it matters. It, it, and there's a reason for it. And, you know, I, I think that in our experience and the way we, we deal with others with so much of everything kind of being explicit, especially now that we're in a much more video medium than mankind ever has been before, you know, prior to, to what 1900, all you had was reading and talking. You had to imagine things in your mind. Now it's, we see everything on a screen and that mindset by itself is massive that I don't think, we as a people recognize, but when we put those details in, like, like even on good Friday, listening to the passion and being a part of it in my head, I'm still seeing the movie, the passion of the Christ as we're going through this. And mm-hmm. obviously people in 1700 people in 700 wasn't a thing. So it wasn't even mm-hmm. a possibility. So, I, w- I want to point out to that is that seeing something puts an imprint in our mind. It, it's just the way that it is, but how to get past that and to ponder those questions. As you said that, you know, y- you were reliving a moment that you've had in your past and I was able to feel it. Like why, why was this at night? You know, like, and then it got into thinking like, what was the difference between their nighttime and our nighttime? You know, obviously, I have power. No street lights. Yeah, I have power. Um, you know, th- th- there's communication. In general, the cold doesn't affect doesn't affect me because I have a furnace. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the majority of things that could hurt me don't exist anymore. You know, there's no chance a wolf or a woodland creature is going to come into my house and cause problems wasn't exactly the case like that, you know, 2000 years ago. And there's a reason that one of the apostles is walking around with a sword, you know, things happen and it was a real part of life. And just to, to start thinking about those differences that we take for granted, I think is a, is a great exercise. And, and, and that's kind of getting me to the, 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 the second point I want to discuss here is as adults, we're much more prone to take things for granted because we have the, the illusion or the ability to control things, whatever the appropriate word there really is. But 
I know I have certain skill sets. You know, I, I can get things done. So therefore, I have less of a worry about because I'm going to do my thing. I eventually will get compensated in the form of income, which I then will go to buy someone else's fruits of their labor. And therefore, my fridge will have food in it. Like, that's kind of what I'm trying to say now. And as a child, those thought processes never entered my mind. You know, it was like, let's just run around and play with Legos. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everything was Amen. exciting. Like, like I remember like being like the dawn on me, like I'm allowed to do this. Now. I was, in, I was, you know, I was 20. I was like, Oh, I'm actually allowed to do these kind of things now. Like pick out, <laughs> pick out curtains and stuff like, like figure out what I want, want to buy and wear and stuff like that. And I know everyone hits those points at different points in their lives. Um, and they're different items, but that process of, I guess maturity growing up erodes that wonderment. And I just find it amazing that in six sentences, basically you were able to show how wonderment can and should exist in this element and, and, and to get into why the faith is eternally rich. You know, yes, it, it's the same reading every good Friday. That's true. But that doesn't mean that you get the same feeling experiences and insight out of it the same way every time. And I think that's part of what, what I was trying to get to, because I can read the same story to Joey right now. And he has different reactions to it that sometimes are starkly different to the, in my mind, the exact same thing. You know, I, I'm using, I'm trying to do the same voices every time. The words are definitely the same every time and we're doing it in the same place. So in my mind, very controlled, stable, repeatable, but to him, very different experience. And I wanted to talk about that in light of the faith and how living that and how that matters. In, in, in light of... In, in, in light of looking at how it's not a complete story. Like, yes, mm. we know the end of the Bible. We might know every single word of it, but the story is not a complete yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah. One of the things we discover because it's, these are historical events bound by a certain time and place, but they're also eternal events in the sense that there is an ongoing narrative that's unfolding. So as I mentioned, uh, this one woman with the breast cancer talked about Christ living out his passion in her. And so his passion you know, came to a conclusion when he breathed his last on the cross in one way, that's true, but his passion is an ongoing reality in our lives in another way, that's also true. And that will come to an end at the end of time. Uh, that is to say the, the definitive death and, and the definitive resurrection will happen at the end of time. The, you know, uh, the pattern was established and then how do we enter into the pattern? And that's precisely what the liturgy is. So what we're doing in the mass and in the sacraments is it's our chance to enter into this pattern and to enter into this uh, narrative of salvation history to insert my life into um, the unfolding of, of this, uh, of Christ's passion, death and resurrection, which are stretched across the whole of history. and. So it it is uh, it is always new in that sense. And then 
what is it that we're talking about? I mean, we're talking about God himself, who is eternally deep. And so what are all of the intentions of God? What are all of the reasons that it happened at night? What are all of the reasons for any of the events in the, in the, the passion narrative? Well, there, there's an infinite depth to them because they're, they're, the reason is God and God is infinitely deep. And so we, we're always discovering the newness of his designs, his, his, uh, his creativity is endless in the way that he has anticipated so many things. And, you know, you can, uh, somebody who had an encounter with Jesus praying the stations of the cross on the third uh, Friday of Lent, Jesus foresaw that when he established the stations of the cross and underwent his own passion. He knew that that passion would lead to those stations and would encounter that person and it would touch their heart in a particular way on the third Friday of Lent this year. So that's the that's the unimaginable complexity of the mind of God that we don't begin to understand and we can only put ourselves in a humble posture of discovery to delight in those things that continue to unfold that he already had in his mind and heart when he walked the way of the cross 2,000 years ago. And, and when you think about that, it, humility, I think, is the most important part of that. Is, 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 it's mind-boggling. Um, and to think that I would ever fully understand that, like, accept it's not going to happen. Um, it, it, it is mind-boggling. And why we always keep having more conversations five years later, Father. <laughs> It, 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 there's just so much going on. So I thank everyone for listening and certainly being a part with us. Um, please help us grow by, by sharing it with other people, leaving the review on any platform you're listening to. It makes a tremendous difference. We thank everyone for doing that. And Father, please, please say you're telling me I'm saying need to say something. And, and uh, I sent you a link to invite mm-hmm. anyone who wants to, to join the True to Him Retreat 2023. And that'll give you access to all the videos of the different catechists reflecting on these mysteries that I mentioned. It's free of charge. Just very happy to share those things. They're all collected in one space. So uh, it'll only ask you for uh, some name and an email address, and then you know you can, you can access everything. There's no, uh, no strings attached. And to find that, click the description button on whatever device you're on. It will be there and clickable. So we thank you all for seeing us, and we will be with you again next week.